Welcome to another episode of FPL Amateurs of Oz Podcast. We're here for our part three of our preseason preview, and I'm joined by our UK correspondent and all-round top guy, Ray. How are you, mate? Hi, Q, man. Thanks for the uh, glowing introduction, and uh, I'm delighted that we've finally been able to get this going for, well, I think we wanted to go last season, didn't we, in like April, but we just couldn't get logistics together. But really delighted, man, and fan of your show. No, definitely. It's um been a long time coming, and I was going to say Arsenal pundit, but um I didn't want then you to get blown up with people messaging you about everything about Arsenal. So too late. <laughs> Everyone does anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, tonight getting you on, I was hopefully going to get some inside knowledge of Arsenal. So um yeah, definitely take advantage of it, mate. Brilliant. Sounds good. Well, we might get on to our first team, which is Man United. So I'm currently watching their game at the moment. We look like we're going to win the league this year. So it's, you know, it's very exciting times. <laughs> only no in FPL sarcasm. can you get, only in FPL can you get gassed over preseason, isn't it? Like people are having a meltdown on Twitter. I'm laughing. Like Darwin is terrible and now he's essential. Like, come on guys. <laughs> yeah, mate. It's, um, it's so red hot. It's sort of, I'm just um happy that we're playing good, but yeah, there's a lot of people saying that um I think United are gonna win the league and I'm like, yeah, like it's it's we're playing nice, but yeah, let's not get silly. Yeah. But I will overreact to Leon Bailey, mate. He's played so good in the preseason, he's scored an absolute banger of a goal just before. So He is uh yeah, he he's he's such a talented player, isn't he? He's such a talented player. Um I'm just interested, of course, because uh, I, I speak to a couple of Villa correspondents. Sorry, I, I know I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> but um, he, he said that, you know, it will either be Bailey who plays or Ings will play. So, yeah, you know, no, that's fair. Ings and Coutinho are kind of nailed in air quotes. But, yeah, anyway. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, um, we might get into the transfers so far. So, so far, United have signed Alessandro Martinez, who is a defensive player. We've got Christian Eriksen, Tyrell Malasia as well, and possibly, fingers crossed, um, Anthony as well from Ajax. But um, he's I think his manager flew out to London over the, the past few days to sort out sort of personal terms. So fingers crossed that um, actually happens, which is massive, massive spinner in the works if he ends up signing for United with which uh, midfielder to pick. <laughs> Mm. What about De Jong? I, I mean, it feels like it's been seven months now, but does it seem like he's probably going to stay? Because he wants to stay at Barcelona ultimately, doesn't he? See, I have a feeling that um, because they owe him a lot of money, if he's to come out and say, I want to go to United, it might make it a bit harder for him to get that money back. But if he wants to say that he wants to stay at Barcelona, which is going to make it hard on them because they have to sort of get rid of a few wages they might force their hand to pay him the money that they owe him. Hmm. That's just me uh, looking into it probably a bit too much. But, um, you know, if he really doesn't want to be United, I just hope, you know, we just sort of call it quits and go elsewhere. Yeah, because if you, yeah, if you, if you spew around too long on one individual, you'll miss out on other great potential assets, isn't it? And probably save a lot of money as well. You know, I've got to look at it that no. way. Definitely. See, I was hoping that they might be looking at Tillemans from um, Leicester City as a bit of an alternative because I think he'd be really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that because the front runners for Tillemans have been us, you know, Arsenal. But with the signing in Zinchenko, I think our priority is really going to be about selling now because we have a lot of players we've got to like, sell and try and get some money back in. Um, I didn't so even realise able- you still had Pepe. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 the most, it's the ultimate banter transfer, really. Um, but we—I mean, we—we we need to get rid of like four or five players and hopefully get like forty, fifty million in total to be able to buy someone like Tillemans. Because apparently, it's very much like personal terms agreed. He wants to go to Arsenal. Arsenal would like him. Um, but I think it's kind of like the club, as in Arsenal, have said, look, you, we need to get rid of some players. We've just spent £115 million. Personally, yeah. I'm delighted with our signings. But if you want Tillemans, guys, as in Edu and Arteta, you've got, we've got to shift out these players, which I actually agree with, Quentin. I, I think we 
we've got to get rid of these players. Otherwise, our squad's going to be like 30 strong. And it shouldn't be. It should be like 20. <laughs> For me, it should be like 22, 23 players that can play. Like Right now, we have so many players that, yeah. uh, you know, we need to shift them on. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That, I think Tillemans is a great opportunity for Manu. Sorry, that's ahead. something sort of um, that United's done is clean out a few of their players, um, which has freed up, obviously, a lot of money with how much Pogba was on and Lingard was on. And then Amartra, mm. I think he's pretty close to leaving as well. So I think they got rid of about seven or eight players, which we needed to do because when you're not giving them game time, I just don't see the logic in sort of having them at your club, to be honest. 100%. And when you look at Mata and Matic, it's hilarious to me that, because uh, I made a lot of jokes about it on Twitter, I said, you know, 10 years ago they were winning the Champions League with Chelsea and they're somehow still at a great club and they're not great <laughs> players anymore. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like a good retirement home, you know, you go to Manchester United, play five games a season and still get like 100k each and you're way past it. So it's good for Manu that you get a reset. It very much feels like what we were 12 months ago with Manu. You know, you're, you're doing a reset now. You're, yeah. You've got the right coach who's going to change everything. You need to be disciplined. You need to be patient with him. You need to give him money, but you also need to clear out the deadwood. It's exactly like us 12 months ago. No, 100%. And I've, I'm not sure whether you saw the video on Twitter of um, Ten Hag at training. He was just yelling at people. <laughs> it, was it. it was refreshing. It was refreshing. So um, we might get into a couple of assets sort of that I'm looking at at the moment. So obviously the the popular ones are Sancho and Rashford, but I'm looking, I'm liking the look of uh, Dello as well. Um, probably the last two preseason games, he's just looked sort of what um, I guess he's shown patches of it last season, but he's looked really attacking, getting quite forward, getting good ball delivery into the box. So I think. Um, if people are looking sort of for that 4.5 to save a bit of money, um, outside obviously the Liverpool fixture, um, the second week, I think that, uh, sorry, the third week, I think that there's some decent fixtures for United and, you know, a good chance that maybe an attacking return as well. So I definitely think he's one to target and sort of looking at the best fixtures for United. So I've, I've wrote down uh, week 10 to 19, uh, 22 to 31 and 34 to 38 so a lot of their bad fixtures are kind of spread out so they're not sort of consecutive so um i think united could be sort of a team you could have for a good chunk of the season if you're wanting to sort of patch in like the likes of dallo or even a sancho and stuff like that i think you know definitely um definitely a lot of opportunity there and also just touching on um a couple of our players that we signed so martinez great football iq great passing ability has surprisingly good aerial ability when he's five foot four, um, and his distribution from the back is pretty classy. And you know, last season is what pretty much hampered us playing out from the back because you had Maguire passing it to you know other teams' strikers, uh, which didn't quite help our cause. So I'm kind of interested to see how Martinez goes. But outside that, mate, is there anyone you're like liking the look of, or anything you think people should be sort of keeping an eye out for? Yeah, so if I could go to your uh, former point regarding Dallow. So, you know, I've been – obviously, you, you do 100 drafts in FPL, obviously, but I, I kind of <laughs> share the ones on Twitter that I actually think I could go for, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think I've shared about seven or eight in the last three weeks or something since the game has launched. And my latest one does have Dallow in because, um, you know, I'm I'm really worried about Haaland, so I, I don't think I'm going to start with him. I think I'm going to go Kane and keep Salah. So then it's about kind of, well, I'm hedging my bets a bit here. So I've gone triple Man City at the moment with uh, Grealish, which I think, you know, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, yeah. Grealish, uh, Cancelo and Edison, because I'm just trying to, you know, gauge the points and get points. So to go so big like that and have Robbo, Trent and James, you need to, you now need to play a four and a half stroke four million assets and I looked at the FDR and Dallo and Andreas Pereira from Fulham rotate really well um so you know currently if the, if, if the season started like tomorrow I'd go 5-3-2 and Dallo would yeah. start at Brighton and then he rotates beautifully with Pereira from Fulham because you know for me Pereira is going to be the number 10 as Carvalho was before they sold him to Liverpool so it's kind of like, you know, I can I can 
muck around with the two of them for the first six fixtures and then decide if I want a wild card or not. Because obviously this season is very different. We're going to have that extra forced wild card. So you kind of want a wild card probably between game week seven and 10, I'd say, to yeah. really get the use out of it before game week 16. Obviously, we got the um, World Cup and we get the uh, wild card, the additional wild card. So I think Dallow, specifically Dallow at four and a half, I do think he's going to start the season. Um, yep. I think what he offers that Wan Bissaka can't is obviously, as you said, offensive output. He's very, very technical on the ball. He's got good delivery. And I think that's really going to help with the likes of Martial in the box and Rashford running off the left and cutting in as well, you know. So I completely agree with you. For me, it's Diego Dallo. Most certainly, I think I'm going to start with him in my squad. I, I think it just all works out. And Manchester United are top team. No matter how much I tease and stuff like that, it's top team. <laughs> Um, yeah. He had a bad season and still finished sixth, you know. Um, in yeah. regards to the other players, um, so I have always been a huge fan of Martial's talent. I think he has elite ability. I think he's more naturally gifted than Rashford. I've always said that. The problem for me with Martial is he doesn't have the strength in his mind. He doesn't have the mental strength. So he'll strop, he'll... he'll you know, he'll moan, he'll he'll kind of, you know, be quite lazy on the pitch and stuff like that. But if you can get the right manager who can push him to that next level mentally, I think Martial, at his age, I think he's what, 25, 26? He yeah, still has so. time to be absolutely world-class. I honestly think Anthony Martial has elite ability. And I think Ten Hag could release him here. And if he does... He, he, he's got that front position set because going to my next point, if that's okay, I think Ronaldo yeah. is going to be let go because he has to. It's a bit like us with Aubameyang. He has to be yeah. let go. He's not good for the dressing room. He doesn't lead properly for me. Yeah. And also, um, you know, he, the way he plays is archaic to the systems that Ten Hag and Arteta respectively want to play. They want their forwards to pressure. They want them to put in the counter-press. They want them to put guys under pressure. Players like Aubameyang, and especially Ronaldo, they don't have that. So for me, Ronaldo will definitely be let go one way or another. And I think that just allows Martial to be an unbelievable player for Man U, which means an incredible asset at 7 million. Yeah. No, I think he's actually been (laughs) been a lot better... Um, this time around, he did, um, I think it was his debut game against Liverpool when we first signed mm. him and he came on and scored the two goals. And I was like, mate, this dude is a freak. And then I think... What is played... this? <laughs> what is this guy? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of only signing because he was only young and we paid a lot of money. I was thinking, uh, mm. you know, it could be a bit of an overpay. But then after that first game, I'm like, give him as much as he wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give him the yeah. keys to the bloody Manchester, mate. But... um. <laughs> Then he sort of fell off a little bit and then uh, just – I'm not sure whether it was down on confidence and then we end up selling him. But he's come back, a, I guess, a more mature player, if that makes sense. Precisely. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. So, but, yeah, I still think that um, – I think I've had Sancho in my side. I've had Rashford in my side. I've Dallow's stayed in my side most of my drafts. So, yeah, it's just going to be sort of, I guess, a few more tinkerings before I sort of set it in stone. But – um. The more I watch Sancho, I'm just like, I just have to have him on my side, but we'll see. Uh, well, we might get on to uh, Brighton. So they've actually just signed a new player, Simon uh, Dingra, which um, if anyone, if I pronounce that incorrectly, just uh, let me know. But um, just had a quick look at him. You know, he has great speed, very skillful. He's very good one-on-one beating his man as well, which is, you know, good for creating space for obviously your striking options up front. And then obviously he has good ball delivery, which is going to help because the likes of uh, Undav and Saiso and even um, Morpe, if he ever gets a start again, um, has not too bad aerial ability. So, and even on, um, if he does manage to jag corners, you've got the likes of Dunk as well. That'll be in the box. So, I think he's a, a really good asset for them. We'll see how he integrates into that side. But a, a player I spoke about, uh, Julio and Soso, um, very skillful player, scores goals. Um, he's on penalties as well. I think he's had a penalty or a free kick um, in one of their trials. And then he's very quick as well. He kind of um, reminds me of Richarlison a little bit, just how he moves mm. around the pitch. Um, he did... It looked like he was talking a bit of trash as well. So I think he's going to be a very polarizing figure. And I'm hoping 
that he can either, because he did spend a bit of time at the number 10 role in behind um, their striker. So I'm hoping that if um, they do give him that sort of attacking midfield role, you know, you might be able to see a decent option at 5.0. But um, And then obviously, uh, Ondava sort of just put him down as a transfer because they haven't really got to see him play for Brighton. I think he, as soon as he signed, he went back out on loan. So another person to keep an eye out, but sort of a couple of assets I'm looking at. Uh, Julio and Siso, uh, Siso, sorry, um, Marco Kuka Razzler, depending on whether he stays at Brighton. And then obviously Robert Sanchez in goals, I think, is a nice little option at that 4.5 as well. But um, some of the fixtures, the target, you got week two to eight and then week 22 to 29. So definitely think those are fixtures worth looking at if you're wanting to sort of get one or two assets in. Probably just leave it at the one asset from Brighton. But um. Yeah, worst fixtures, you got week 30 to 32 and week 13 to 14. So similar to United, a lot of their bad fixtures aren't sort of heaped in together. They, you know, just sort of every all over the place. So outside that, um, is there anyone that you're liking the look of or um, anything you'd like to say about some of the players that signed for Brighton, mate? Yes, I think with uh, Kuka Razzler, because I guess that's what I have to say on this pod, which I'm happy to. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> it's that hairstyle, man. It's just mad. Um, I think it's inevitable he'll go, he'll go to Man City. And it's really interesting to see how they set up because, uh, you know, Man City lack <laughs> defenders. So uh, currently they only really have two natural fullbacks in Cancelo and Walker. And then, you know, sometimes Ake will go to the left. And then if they get Kukurazza Kukure- as well, is you're interested to see how much game time he'll really get. I will go back to Cucurella, sorry. <laughs> um, so with him, it's it's really a wait and see for everything, right? Um, and there are a lot more better 5 million assets if he stays at Brighton, in my opinion. Yeah. Robert Sanchez, um, he's currently my keeper with the aforementioned I was saying to you about what I'm thinking of doing, uh, going quite yeah. big in my team in certain areas. Um, he's projected to get the most points out of all the £4.5 million pound goalkeepers from game week game week one to six, so the first six game weeks, um, you know his points per game is average at three point eight. That's what the prediction is, and I trust him the most out of the four and a half million pound goalkeepers personally because he's playing behind a good defense, yeah. and that kind of echoes well to Lewis Dunk because Dunk was injured for a little bit of last season, and I think he's incredibly priced at four point five. I would never double up, but. He's another asset because, you know, he's a uh, bonus point machine because he's very good uh, with his passing statistics and also yeah. the biggest threat in set pieces, isn't it? Like, Dunk is the biggest threat for Brighton as well. So I do expect him to pop up with two or three goals as well. And, you know, they're very much a possession team. I love watching Brighton play. I must say, when a Brighton game's on TV, I watch it. I think they play beautiful football. Um, so those are the two assets which excite me. But also with Undav, now, last season he got 26 goals in the Belgian league. I think yeah, it's inevitable. A good number. Yeah, of course, but, but which in, ever, in, in any league, isn't it? But I think I would not start the season with Undav if you are looking to put him straight into your team. I think yeah. he's going to kind of be transitioned into the first 11. He'll definitely be the first 11 because for me, he's the best forward that they have. I've watched a little bit of him and he really is very clinical, very technically apt as well. So he'll fit beautifully in the Brighton team. But from what I've seen, he's a better finisher than what anything they have. And that's yep. what they've lacked, isn't it? They just don't have a finisher. So yeah, Undav is probably going to be a striker I get in my first wild card. Um, yep. Because I think at that point, he will be set as the first team striker. And yep. also, you know, Brighton's fixtures, I feel, are quite, are quite well... Um, they're quite well spread, if you like. And, yeah. you know, kind of from game week four onwards, they play Leeds, Fulham and Bournemouth during that run. And maybe yeah. by game week four, rather than wait till my wild card, he could be a striker I look to bring in if, you know, eventually Arsenal's fixtures don't turn that well, you know, with Gabby yeah. Jesus. So I think Undav is a guy we should really keep our eye on, but not someone I'd start with, not yet. No, definitely. And and looking at United tonight, that uh, set piece I just conceded off um, is looking pretty tasty for week one, if anyone wants to get dunked in. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
But um, I think you wrapped that up real nicely. And, and Undav, yeah, he definitely has the quality to score goals and that's something they did lack last year. It was kind of like good defence and then every now and again, Morpé, um finished a goal or two. But yeah, outside that, they didn't really have too much in attack last season. Mm. Well, we might get on to the best club in London at the moment, mate, uh, Arsenal. So... Might just quickly <laughs> touch on. Um, Good lad. I, I was going to leave. I was going to leave if you said Tottenham. I was literally going to hang up. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you, mate. It's good because I killed two birds with one stone. You get excited, and Matt Day, our Spurs truther, is um, gets a bit annoyed. So it's good. Um, I might touch on some of the transfers. So Gabriel Jesus, they signed, which has been an absolute class signing so far. From what the preseason has told me, he's he's going to give Arsenal what they need this year, and. Fabio Vieira, I haven't seen too much in an Arsenal jersey, but I've, from what I've seen on uh, YouTube, which is my number one scouting tool at the moment, is good at set pieces, great vision, uh, excellent passing ability. He can play the left side as well as the number 10, which is you know good for Arsenal because he can be quite flexible. And then he seems to flourish probably better as a number 10, but he did have some good appearances playing on the left. A few of the highlights I saw when he was playing out wide, he did look real damaging as well. So I think he's a decent signing. And uh, Marquinhos, if that's how you pronounce it, um, he plays out wide, left or right, um, great on the ball, but he's only young. So I'm not sure how much game time early on we'll see, but I think he's going to be a class player in the future and hopefully get a few bench minutes and we can you know, get a decent look at him. But... Outside of that, mate, I might get you to touch on, obviously, your signings and um, how you think he's going to play this year, mate. Yeah, cheers, Q. So um, we've been on a few spaces and, you know, wax lyrical about Jesus and obviously it's just on spaces. So I'll put it here because obviously you were kind enough to invite me onto the pod. Um, <laughs> I think I think Gabby Jesus is like a transformational player for us. I, I think he just gives us something we've lacked uh, for quite a long time. First of all, his press from the front is just outrageously of a high level and a sustained level. Like he, he really is like, um, you know, a Duracell bunny. He, he can just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep, keep pushing. And what I love is that he'll start with Sake and Martinelli. Like I have absolutely no doubts about that is that he can also transition in positioning between the three of them. Like at times you might see Martinelli in the middle, Saka on the left and Jesus on the right during the game. So, you know, yep. it, allows, it allows a really good dynamic flow of transitions during attack, which will, of course, confuse the opposition. Also, something as well is for Jesus, he can finally be the main man and he will be the main man at Arsenal, there's no doubt, because I've always been a fan of Jesus. I always feel there's world-class talent in there. He just doesn't get the opportunity to show it in one position or the other, right? Because he'll play right mid and then, you know, he, he'll play centre forward and then he has to float all over the place. He will very yeah. much be tasked with being the guy in the box to finish off the chances. And therefore, I think he comes in at an incredible price of $8 million. Yeah. Um, If it doesn't work out, they're good players in that position who might suddenly start banging. Or you can use him as a cash cow to bring in an $8 million midfielder because we have so many great assets there. Um, so for Gabby Jesus, brilliant. I mean, I got his shirt. I got the black shirt with his name <laughs> at the back. I'm, that, I'm all in. I'm all in. So <laughs> um, when when I look at Fabio Vieira, everything you said about him, you know what that is? That's Erdegaard. So I think he currently will be kind of like the backup for Erdegaard. Yeah. Um, he's not someone I'd put straight in a team. Absolutely not. I don't think we can have him, Vieira, Erdegaard, and party in the same team. I think our midfield would be overrun because, you know, Vieira is very much like a silky kind of player. Um, yeah. wonderful touch, wonderful vision is exactly what you said, but that's very much what Erdegaard brings. So I think for the time being, he'll just be the guy behind Erdegaard. Yeah. Marquinhos is a really interesting one because he's very bulky for someone so young. Like, like he, he's almost fit for purpose in regards to physically. He's not like yeah. that typical normal Brazilian young winger. You'd think he's actually got some proper, uh, girth to him in regards to size so I don't think he'll get bundled over and completely overpowered as you see a lot of new South American players come in you know and and, yeah. and, and kind of struggle physically I don't think he will however extremely raw player we still need a winger in my opinion because currently 
I'm very happy with the three we have, which is Martinelli, Saka and Smith-Rowe. And maybe if emergencies, you know, Vieira can go there, as you said, Odegaard could go there or Jesus could go there, meaning Nketiah comes in as a striker. But for me, I think Marquinhos will be strictly the cup striker and the Europa League striker for the group stages. Because in the group stages, you usually have like less quality of opposition. I think that's a brilliant opportunity to see what level he's at. And then if we don't buy a winger by then, then in January, you know, the transfer window's open. Maybe we look to get a good winger again and maybe put Marquinhos out on loan. But he's definitely a player I'd like to see start in the Europa League, uh, Marquinhos. Um, And then, sorry, do you want to add to that? Sorry. No, I just, I'm, go- I'm kind of going off on one cue. Sorry, just stop me if I'm. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I can't agree more. Sort of from what I've seen, he he has great ability, but he also, yeah, as you said, he's a bit raw. Just you know, I think uh, working with Art Edder and obviously you know getting some decent time and for a couple of senior players, I think over time you'll see sort of him, I guess grow into the Premier League because it is a tough league to just, you know, rock up and play in when you're sort of still pretty young and a bit raw. Exactly. And 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 I think that, yeah, and, and, and that would be the right thing to do. I don't think we should put him out on loan. I think we should keep him in the squad and let him train and then see what level he's at, obviously. But, you know, if I go to kind of the next big signing in Zinchenko, so he's a player like all over Twitter, I've been like, this is a player I yeah. really want because, you know, it became quite apparent after Manchester United strongly were linked to Lissandro, we weren't going to win that battle. Um, yeah. But if you if you offered me Zinchenko and Lissandro for Arsenal with what we need, I'd pick Zinchenko. And the reason for that is because um, I think why we're buying him first is for him to be that left central midfielder because he plays like that for Ukraine brilliantly. Yeah, um, He offers everything Chaka can apart from obviously the physical power, but he's much better at recoveries. He's much better at tackling. He's much better, in my opinion, with driving forward with end product and with the possibility of like goals and assists. I think he's a much higher level than Chaka. Also, it's a position that Zinchenko actually was for Shakhtar when Man City bought him. And it's one that he always plays for Ukraine, like I said. So as an asset, unbelievable if he plays in midfield. However, and I say however, Kieran Tini, unfortunately, is just a sick note. Made a paper mache. It really is. And the reason I say that, we bought him injured. And his problem, and this, and I blame specifically to Tierney, is he plays every game like 100 miles an hour. Now, there's something really ad- admirable about that. But at the same time, you've got to know when to anchor your ass <laughs> and like yeah. use your, you know, use your energy levels. Know when to push forward full explosivity and know when to just... Take it easy. You know, manage your energy levels is the key part. Tierney doesn't know how to do that. And that's why he constantly breaks down, constantly breaks down. So for me, I don't think Tierney is going to be fit for the start of the season. That's my prediction. Therefore, Zinchenko Zinchenko will play on the left. Uh, Zinchenko will be our left back. Now, if he plays left back, I don't think he's the best five million pound defensive asset. I'll still say Trippier. I'd still say Cash. I'd still say Dinya. Yeah. With, but if Zinchenko, if Tierney is fit, okay, sorry, Tierney for me will miss fifteen Premier League games this season. That's that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, and the first guy who'll go into that position is Zinchenko, and that's something that we really need to be careful of because the next asset I was going to talk about, Martinelli. Martinelli has learnt how to control his energy levels because he also used to break down. The, the pin drop yeah. for Martinelli. And now he I think he's a player we could rely on to be fit, Touchwood. Tierney has to learn that as well, Kieran. That's my issue. So as brilliant as Zinchenko is, love him as a player. I'm so happy we bought him. For FPL, I really am going to wait. And it's going to count a lot on Tierney's fitness. Because like I said, if Tierney's not playing, Zinchenko's going to be left back. Yeah. See, I think um, you're pretty bang on about uh, Tierney. He sort of... He just seems to be 100 miles an hour all the time, which is good for FPL mm. because he's always sort of getting into the box and providing attacking opportunities. But then, you know, three good games and then he's out for about three and then he's back and then he's under an injury uh, injury cloud. And then, yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating asset to own for that 
uh, that very reason is just you're not sure how many games you're going to get consecutively uh, consecutively out of him. Exactly, and um, and that's and, and 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 that kind of goes to you know uh, maybe answering the question you're going to have for me is I think Martinelli is the most explosive player that Arsenal have, um, and the reason is is he offers the one thing we don't have, which is penetrating direct running. He picks up yep. a ball. He runs at the defender. There's no cutting in. There's no trying to be cute like, um, you know, like Saka, Erdegaard and uh, Smith Rowe. He gets the ball. He runs at him. Yeah, Unbelievable ability. Out of, out of all the players we have in our team, I think Martinelli has a higher ceiling. I, I think he could be like, I'm talking global superstar here with Martinelli. So as an FPL asset, I think he is unbelievable unbelievably explosive in regards to points my issue with martinelli i wouldn't say an issue is depending on the opposition you shouldn't be surprised if smith rowe comes in when we need players who are a bit more cute on the ball a bit more technically sound because smith rowe for me is technically got more ability than martinelli on the ball is that you know if we're playing against a team with a low block, for example, like maybe Leicester in game week two, they might decide to sit back. Martinelli is not the little player I'd want in that game. I'd probably want Smith Rowe because you're looking for yeah. guys to kind of thread the ball into the holes. Smith Rowe is better than that than Martinelli. So do I think Martinelli will start against Crystal Palace? 100%. Do I think if he has a good game, he'll start against Leicester second game? Yes, I do. But if he doesn't have a great game against Crystal Palace, I could easily be Smith Rowe being because Smith Rowe is he's a wonderful player as well, isn't he? It's not a downgrade if Smith Rowe comes in for Martinelli. He just offers new things. So I would tread very softly with Martinelli. Currently, he's not in my thoughts at all now. Like for me, Jesus is the only Arsenal player I'm entertaining. If not Jesus, yeah. it would be Saka. But um, yeah, the, with Martinelli, if you're going for him, I'm not even going to argue with him, but just, you know, be very wary that Saka's nailed, Jesus is nailed, start the season, Erdegaard is nailed, meaning that one position which is up for debate is the left-wing spot, which is between Smith-Rowe and Martinelli. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, speaking of FPL, we might get onto their best fixtures. So targeting Arsenal assets, you're probably looking at week one to eight and then week 22 to 29, and then obviously their worst fixture runs, probably week 30 to week 34. So I think, um, as you mentioned, Gabriel Jesus, um, he's been in and out of my side. I think the first trial game where he scored the two goals, he looked amazing, went straight in my side. And then I kind of had to pull myself back a bit and go, you know what, just settle down. Um, You know, Saka, midfielder, you know, a better chance of getting better points, but then... I just took. Um, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to get Jesus um, to start the week, uh, start FPL, and then watch the next few games." And he just looks so good. He's just. Um, I, I explained it to a bloke today. He kind of not going deep to get the ball, but he's getting the ball and then making the attack run. So he's sort of getting that ball, playing it out wide, making those runs, getting the ball back, and then trying to get the ball back into the box, or he's taking a shot. He just looks like he's um, got ADHD and he just wants to bang goals in for fun. (laughs) But one thing I would um, uh, get people to consider is we're not picking an asset from game week to 38, are we? Game week 1 to 38 or even game week 1 to game week 15, 16 when, you know, sometimes people wait to wildcard as late as possible. We're basically looking at him from game week 1 to 8, really, because then we're likely to wild card in game week seven, eight, nine, ten. I, I wouldn't imagine it to be later than then. So if you look at him game week one to game week eight or Arsenal assets, you can't really moan too much with the fixtures. I mean we we got on paper at least a really, really favorable run. The one really tough game in air quotes you could say on paper would be the Manchester United game in the first eight weeks. Otherwise all the other games like you could definitely see us picking up a load of points in goals and, you know, obviously your assets then return. So, yeah, like, you know, yeah. see, I think that United fixture, probably a hard fixture for defensive Arsenal assets, but I'd think that attacking assets should be fine in that match because I could see them at least scoring one goal that match and, you know, it's going to be either Jesus or Saka or even Martinelli, I'd say. 
Fair. I've seen a lot of squads that have uh, Martinelli and uh, Jesus quite a lot. And, and like I said, I, I can't argue against it. Like there, there's definitely a lot of explosive potential, but Martinelli for me is a punt. And, you know, my current punt in air quotes is Grealish. I would not want two punts, if that makes sense. Yeah, you want to go with players that, yeah, sounds, yeah. I've, I've really said something really smart there, but <laughs> you don't want to, you know, you want to go with players that you're very sure are going to start. And that's why yeah. I say, look, have 10 players you definitely think are going to start most of the games, if not all the games. And then you can have and your have one. one yeah. Exactly. And my one at the moment is Grealish. And if I had Martinelli, I'd make sure he's my only one in my team, yeah? Because start of the season, you can't obviously win FPL, but you, you could lose it. You you could really lose FPL in the first few weeks. So you've got to be very careful how many of these, in air quotes, Maverick picks that you go for. Yeah, no, 100%. I might just, before we move on to the next team, I might just ponder one question, mate, because it's a argument I'm having in my head at the moment is, to starting week one, who would you go, Saka or Jesus? Yeah, I mean, you said in the beginning about you shouldn't say Arsenal pundit because those people will come at you. Well, I mean, a lot of people <laughs> do DM me, but I mean, it's very for me. It's not a stress. It really is a pleasure. It's it's, it's very humbling when people ask me about Arsenal, like you, and I'd like to say trust my opinion and stuff. Being a, an Arsenal fan and you know looking deep into training and obviously watching the videos because I'm an Arsenal fan, obviously. And, you know, on spaces, people like to ask me and then DMs and stuff like that is, you know, I say Jesus. And the reason for Jesus is because I think it's a really good price point in the striker area. Now, the counter argument to that is, well, yeah, but there's even better in midfield. And I agree. But then for me, the equaliser is the ownership. Yeah. I so this is like my third year, probably like my third actually historical year. And fortunately, you know, both of the two years have been top hundred K ranks. And I think the issue, the the error I make in the beginning is I try to be a bit too cute and be like, Oh, I'm going to go against this player because why not? I think you have to be boring. And, you know, speaking to a couple of really world-class managers that I rate, um, and and the great guys as well. Uh, If you don't mind, I'll name drop them, you know, Abdul FPL Salah and Dan Bennett, uh, two yeah. guys who have got like I think twelve top six k finishes between them. Is that ridiculous? Um, yeah, you know, and really, really great lads who I've had on my channel and chatted to and blah blah blah. And they go, you know, they're very safe and boring in the beginning and just stay in the pack. And, you know, that's an error I don't want to make this season. You know, I am going to stay in the pack. And Jesus is the highest owned asset at the moment, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the highest asset by the end of this because I do feel he's underpriced because we do create a lot of almost chances if that makes sense with Jesus there who is a top top player I think those you know almost chances are going to become proper chances so I would say Jesus over Saka simply because of the effective ownership separates him and Saka yeah no sort of it's it's really hard because Saka, I thought, has had patches of good play throughout the preseason, but every time Jesus is on the field, whether it's second half cameo or from the start, he just he looks like he wants to make stuff happen, and it's almost impossible not to have him in your side. And you know, I've taken him in and out of my side so many times, and now I'm kind of thinking like, I just need to start week one and see how it goes, and then obviously. At that eight point zero, there's a lot of price points below that you can drop down to if you know it doesn't look how you think it's going to look. But yeah, it's going to be very hard not to have him in my team from week one. And that's a great point you make because it's not only the price point can be all the way down to. Oh, I mean, this is a brilliant segue, by the way. But to Solanke, you know, because you know their 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 um their fixtures really really start to become quite attractive, you know, after game week four. You know they get they they've got some really good ones. You know home to home to Wolves, away to Forest, home to Brighton, like Solanke or Mitrovic as well. Who eventually after game week seven it starts to get a bit better. You know that's an undav we were talking about earlier. You know Jesus could be that cash cow to bring down to those players, especially yeah. when Arsenal's fixtures start to turn. So yeah, I think that I think that's a good thing you said that use him as a price point, but also use him as someone that can be the cash cow when you want to drop down. No, definitely. Well, that 
as you said, brings us on to Bournemouth. So looking at, <laughs> at Bournemouth's transfers, they've been a little bit underwhelming. Sort of, I watched a little bit of them last year in the championship. They didn't look too bad, but I thought they might have tried to strengthen just a little bit. But they've brought in Joe Rothwell um, in the midfield and you've got Ryan uh, Fredericks in the defence. But, you know, not really screaming um, massive uh, transfers. But um, looking at their best fixtures, um, week 5 to 16 looks to be their best fixture run for the season. And, you know, their worst fixtures are week 2 to 4 and week 25 to 28. So... You know, not massive sort of areas where they're going to have a lot of hard fixtures, but definitely think the best time to maybe start with one of their assets is probably around that week five, which, you know, definitely is a window for people using the early wild card as well, whether they're going to do it a bit later at week eight or, you know, week five is a, a reasonable time because there's a few sort of fixture runs that are sort of turning good about that week five, week six. But um, looking at a couple mm-hmm. of assets, um, you just mentioned earlier, Solenke. He's looked really good preseason. Um, he looked really good last season. He just the first, I think, the first time he was in the first appearance in the Premier League is when I think did he go on loan from Liverpool to Bournemouth? Yeah, and um, just didn't sort of. I guess a lot of people were banking on him to go really well, and he didn't quite sort of hit the mark. But you know, he spent a lot more time now. Um, last season had an incredible season, and I think uh, once their fixtures do turn, I think Solanke is a really good option as that sort of second slash third um, strike option FPL side. And then another player I might just point out is Jaden Anthony. He had a really good season last year as well. Quite skillful, very quick. Um, really likes to, if he's in the box, he'll shoot on sight. So depending on how, obviously, they go this season, how they attack, I think he might be a player worth looking at as a bit of an enabler at about 5.5. And Ryan Christie, him and Solenke have been linking up great during the preseason, and I think he's also another good option to look at. I probably wouldn't start with any of these assets. Maybe Solenke, I could see people starting with him just because he, um, you know, can score goals, but... Yeah, the rest of the assets, I'd be sort of just keeping an eye on. And, you know, they're good fixtures starting at week five. You can get a little bit of a sample size there to sort of see how they're going to play. But um, anything you'd like to add on that, mate? Are you sort of excited about any of their assets or just wanting to watch? No, um, uh, you, you you kind of said it really. I mean, Dominic Solanke is the only one, the only asset right now that I have my eyes on with Bournemouth, but it won't be until game week five. And I think that's perfect, really, because, you know, in the first three or four game weeks, we'll start to understand what our squad structure's like, who's playing well, you know, all the statistics. So, you know, Solanke could be the guy. So, for example, if you're going with Martinelli, um, you know, as your £6 million midfielder, by game week five, when Bournemouth's fixtures seriously turn, obviously, because they got Villa, Arsenal and Liverpool in the first four games, is, you know, you can take out Martinelli for that four and a half enabling striker that pretty much almost everyone has. Um, and, you know, do the switcheroo. So, you know, you can have Josh De Silva, for example, as a four and a half midfielder, bring in yeah. Solanke as the striker. And then you can potentially, for example, have a Jesus, Solanke and, 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 and Kane front three, which is something that I will potentially go with if I haven't hit the wild card by then. So I think... You know, for the first four fixtures, Bournemouth are an absolute no-go for me. Like, I, I just wouldn't understand why you'd really want to go for them. Unless, obviously, yeah. you want the guaranteed minutes, which you're going to get, obviously, with Solanke. But you've got to look at the upside of how many points you think this guy will get. And, yeah. um, you know, in regards to the first six fixtures, he is rated five out of six and a half and lower strikers. That's quite low yeah. considering we don't have that many six, six and a half million yeah. pound strikers. <laughs> I mean, they got Welbeck rated higher, which should tell you everything. So mate, Welbeck I would... is pure gold, mate. <laughs> well, he's, an, he's a Man U and Arsenal legend, isn't it? So you and I can talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> 100 mate. He came good last year. <laughs> you no, know, no, when he, when he plays, he's a handful, but obviously you can't rely on his fitness. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think Dominic Solanke Q, but it it would be game week four, like I, I, game week five, excuse me. I, I would not touch any of them until then. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And as you've mentioned earlier about sort of taking a punt, having sort of one or two plays that you take a punt on, I think if you're going outside Selenka, I think that's what it would be, only if you're pretty happy with the rest of your side that you may bring in a Jaden Anthony or a Ryan Christie as sort of a bit of a punt for their fixture mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Well, we might get on to our next promoted side, which is Knott's Forest. They pretty much went out of the transfer market and bought a whole new team after having a good season in the championship. So a few of the players they brought in, you've got Jesse Lingard, who's, you know, quality wow. signing. Yeah. Uh, what, Harry Tofolo, uh, Lewis O'Brien, Wayne Hennessy, Omar Richards, uh, Musa Nikate, uh, Gillian Biakome. Um, if I'm stuffing any of these up, feel free, feel free to jump in. And uh, Dean Henderson, Taiwu uh, I'm not going to try that. I'll let you know that one. Awanihi. Yes. Awanihi. Perfect. Yeah, we'll mate. call him Taiwo. We'll call him Taiwo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taiwo. Then we've got Neko Williams as well. So a lot of decent signings there. And sort of having a look, their fixture run, it's not too bad. I think the start of the season, I probably wouldn't be getting on. Um, or maybe Neko Williams is an asset that, you know, we'd like to get on. But their fixture run starts with... It's not too bad. Starts with Newcastle. They've got West Ham, Everton, and Spurs. So Spurs then starts a, a double header of hard games against Man City the next week. But you know the fixtures from about week six through to maybe about week twelve are pretty decent. And then sort of in the middle there, I think around week nineteen to week twenty three, some more decent fixtures. But sort of at the moment, definitely Neko Williams in my side at four point. Um, 4.0 as a bit of a, a differential. And in preseason, he's actually looked quite good. He's been um, linking up with their strikers. And looking at um, their strike force, uh, Brendan Johnson, he's actually played number 10 in their last trial game. So I'm not sure whether that's going to be something that's going to happen throughout the season or whether they're sort of trying to see how they can fit um, their new plays in the side. But is there anyone that you sort of have liked to look at or any signings that you think are you know, going to be worth looking at? Yeah, unlike Bournemouth, the other promoted team, there's, for me, a litany of potential assets we could go for here at the start of the season. Um, one of the things is is uh, I believe they kind of play like a 3-5-2 yeah. or 3-4-3. Or, or so Nico Williams in that aspect is a hugely attractive asset then. And at just 4 million, unbelievable um, enabler stroke asset who you could eventually start playing. Uh, honestly, you know, he could be, you know, like the 4 millions we've had in the past, you know, I think of uh, Lundstrom, for example. Um, and um, yeah, so, sorry, I kind of hit a, <laughs> a buzz there in my head. Um, so Nico Williams, absolutely. Lingard, yeah, I mean, the guy could be a template breaker. You know, I put in the notes, you know, like him at 6 million, guaranteed to start absolutely every game, be one of the main men in that team, their best player, I would assume as well. Um, yeah. Definitely walk straight into that team. Um, I could see him as part of a 3-4-3 um, or 3-5-2, but in the five, he'd kind of like be the number 10, if you like, in air quotes, Yeah, behind Johnson and... Awanihi, who is a very good player, straight yep. into the team there. Uh, last season, he averaged pretty much a goal every other game in the Bundesliga, uh, 15 goals in 31 games, 20 goals in 43 altogether in the Bundesliga yep. last season with Union Berlin. I think they got a really a very good Premier League player there for under £20 million as well, and someone I have seen play last season because I try and catch some Bundesliga when I can. Yeah. Um I think he, Johnson, Nico and Lingard are players we're probably all gonna have in our FPL squad at one time. Yeah. And also if you look at specifically Nico, once again, he rotates very, very nicely with someone like Andreas. You know, when yeah. you know, when Forest play Man City, I'm I'm going up a bit, but when Forest play, excuse me, um Tottenham in game week four Andreas has Arsenal away. Now, those are tough games. That'll be a difficult one of who you choose. But apart from that, they rotate really well together. Um, and that's something that Nico Williams offers and other Nottingham Forest assets. So my eye is firmly on Nottingham Forest because I love the way they play from what I watched last season. Delighted that they're in the Premier League. They're one of the biggest clubs in England. Uh, they should be in the Premier League. 
and also those four assets specifically, Nico Williams, Lingard, Johnson and Awanihi. These are four players that I, I genuinely believe I'll have in my squad at some point this season. So, yeah, man, massive fan. No, definitely. And they've looked really good in preseason as well. I think gradually from watching their first preseason game, they looked a little bit all over the shop. But that last game, they they look like they're starting to link up well. I think uh, Nico Williams is linking up well with Taiwo um, down the up top. And then looking at um, Lingard, do you reckon he's going to play that sort of attacking midfield number 10 role just in behind the strikers and they play the two up front? Yes, I do. I, I think um, if they... I think they'll definitely play the three at the back. Uh, if they played a three, four, one, two, Lingard would be the man behind Johnson and uh, Awanihi. But yeah. if they played a four, three, three, I would assume Lingard would come off the left. But the thing is, he's so multifaceted and can do a job in any position. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Lingard, the footballer. Actually, I, I think he offers so much. Great energy, yeah. very good technical ability, very consistent performer is I think he'll be part of a front three, uh, yeah. either on the right or on the left. So I don't actually think you can go wrong with him. I, I, I might boost him as possibly in the top three best six million assets in midfield. Yeah, no, that's a – definitely he showed at West Ham when he went out on loan yeah. that he definitely still has the quality there. It's just about getting consecutive games and getting good game time, which – I don't think it's going to be an issue at Knott's Forest. I couldn't imagine them telling him that he's going to be sitting on the bench with you know his quality and his sort of experience. Yeah, nail player in my opinion, Q. Nail player, like no doubts in my opinion. There's one player, sort of, or two players, I like to just quickly touch on. Lyle Taylor, um, their last trial game scored the two goals. He was playing up front with Taiwu with um, Brennan Johnson in behind, so. You know, I was kind of going, oh, it wouldn't be nice if he um, at 4.5 started. But with the addition of Lingard, I think that's going to wipe that out of the way. But, I mean, probably one mm. to keep an eye on maybe. But um, another player also, Omar Richards, that they signed from the Bundesliga, he's quality. And I'm not sure whether you're going to go with Nico and Omar, but I think he's worth looking at. He's quite pacey, got real good skills, likes to get into the box and has good board delivery. So I think he's someone worth sort of looking at at 4.5. I'm not sure how they will go defensively. I think I was having a look at the stats. They they didn't concede a massive number of goals last season. And I was kind of sort of trying to, I guess, um, work out how many goals they might concede in the first season of the Premier League. And, I think they could maybe hit around the Wolves numbers um, when they were promoted. Their, their defense wasn't the best defense, but it was still good. So yeah, I think if they sit around that 50, 52 goals conceded, I think there's still going to be a lot of value in you know their defenders. So, 100% agree, bud. And again, so well-priced with Nico Williams, isn't it? So yeah, I, I can't knock anyone getting him. Um, I wouldn't start with him though. I wouldn't start with him. Um, you you got to see how he plays, obviously, right? It's just, um, but a, a phenomenal enabling player who will play as a right wing back, not right back, right wing back for Forrest. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of creativity coming from his side. No, definitely. Well, before we close out the pod, I just might get you to touch on what's your side looking like at the moment, mate. Yeah, so um, currently... Uh, it's um, Edison in goal. And then yep. I have, uh, hold on, sorry, because I've mucked around with it a bit. This is great. This is great audio. This is great audio. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Sounds can, like my can... head on a daily basis. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. Bloody idiot. Right. So at the moment, uh, Edison in goal, Trent, Robbo, Dallo, Cancelo, James. So massive at the back. Uh, Salah, Neto, Grealish, who's that gamble I was talking to you about, Jesus and Kane. Uh, Benches, uh, Gazaniga, Andreas, Colback, and Greenwood. So the idea around that is um, I am really feel like I'm not going to go with Haaland now. Um, from everything I've heard, the injuries yeah. he's obviously had, um, also adopting to the Premier League, will the focus be more on the Champions League for him? Uh, so he, I think I'd rather go with Kane to start the season. The issue I yep. have with my team, if is if Haaland suddenly bangs, I might want to make that switch straight away, but I can't because I have Edison. You know, I already yep. have three Man City assets. So 
the idea I'm kind of thinking at the moment is to drop Edison to a four and a half, free up that one million and maybe make Grealish into Foden, for example, because I think Foden's going to have a brilliant season personally. Yeah. Or maybe muck around a bit more and bring in Diaz and make Robbo into cash and this kind of stuff. So, yeah, at the moment I'm shaping up massive with that 5-3-2. I think I'm set on Kane Q because I yeah. think he is... The fixtures are awesome. You know, I think people are ignoring Southampton at home. Southampton, I think, are going to be in a relegation battle this year. I think this could be the year um, because they always start well and then they're all over the place after. I think this could be the season that they start badly. And I think Spurs have bought so well. I hate to say it, but they've bought so well that I think their first game, Conte's first game in a new season at home, all those signings, Stadium's going to be rocking. I think Harry Kane and Son are going to be electrifying. So it's too scary for me not to have either. Yeah, no, definitely. I've I've had Kane in um, from the start there. I sort of I was going to go against the grain and not go Harlan. I sort of just really liked the look of Kane in this preseason. He looks like the Kane we saw for the back end of last season. And I think with the full yeah. preseason under Conte, I just think he's going to be back to the cane where you're looking at, you know, the 20-plus goals this season. And it wouldn't surprise me if he was on eight goals in the first sort of five to six weeks. And, he will, and, and you know, with this five-sub rule and all that kind of stuff, Kane does not come off, you know. No, like, Historically, Sun comes off, you know. Kane is he's a 90-minute man. And, you know, if, if, if you said, all right, Ray, well, would you rather go Kane and Sun? I would say Kane because with that point five, look how much you can do with your squad, right? You can make Sanchez into Mendy for example um yep. so you know and obviously penalty takes and all that kind of stuff is i think kane is is and 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 again i know i kept saying but predicted points as well they got kane in the top four in the first six games of the season they don't yep. have harland in the top four so no. i think that's something that we shouldn't ignore and harland for me won't finish games so yeah there you go man yeah i, I go off on one but i think you're following me <laughs> no, definitely. Um, yeah, so I'm similar. So at the moment, this is my draft. I've got Sanchez in goals, which, you know, I'm not fully set on yet, but Trent, uh, Trippier, Cancelo, Dallo. Then I've got Mount, Salah, Madison, Bruno, Gamarez. Then I've got Jesus and Kane up top with Andreas on the bench, Taylor and Nico Williams and For- uh, Forster from um, Spurs as well as my mm. reserve goalkeeper. Nice. So, I'd call it the preseason, the preseason team pick because Madison's looked absolutely amazing, and so is Jesus. So it's kind of, um, yeah. As I've said to a lot of people, because I'm doing the the preseason game thread, my teams change like a million times because I'm watching like every single preseason game. So it's sort of like a curse as well as a blessing. Do you feel? Um, I'm not, by the way, because I know what will happen to my head. <laughs> Do you feel um, with Madison? that, you know, three of their first five fixtures on paper are really difficult. Like, they got Arsenal, Chelsea and Man United. Do you think um, getting closer to the season... Are you using it more as a price point rather than the actual asset? Because he could easily be Mount, for example. Yeah, like, I'd easily... Because um, I've got Mount there, but he could easily go to Diaz. He could go to mm, Saka okay. and then I could change Jesus or... Even a Foden, I've had Foden and Mares in and out of my side as well. So it's or they could actually downgrade a bit further, and then I could upgrade uh, the likes of like a Dello um, to sort of a Reese James. Sort of at the moment, I don't trust Chelsea defensively, but um, that could all change closer to the season. I'd say class. But I did actually, I did do a three-man draft because after watching um, how well De Bruyne did the other day, um, I made this side up. So I got Sanchez in goals, Trent, Trippier, Cancelo, Dallo, Nico Williams, Mount, Salah, De Bruyne, uh, Aronson from Leeds, and then I've got Kane up front. Jesus. So (laughs) (laughs) All in. All in, are we? <laughs> so I was kind of like going like after watching the game, like I wonder what it would look like. Um, I'm, I'm not really tempted to go that, but just looking at how good De Bruyne has been, it's, you know, it'd be having to get out Salah or get out Kane and I'm just not willing to part with either of those two to start the season. Yeah, no, I, I mean, K's the E word for me now, uh, Quentin, especially with the way he's been playing, like you said. Haaland hasn't made a bloody appearance yet. 
Yeah. And, you know, obviously he, he has fitness issues. It's, that's just how it is. And he might be that kind of player this season. He'll be yeah. ridiculously explosive. He will probably get 20 to 25 goals this season. But I think Kane will get more points between now and game week eight than Haaland. And the statistics and predictive tools seem to back that. So I'd rather go for Kane than Haaland. I'm gonna be no. I'm gonna be scared shitless. Don't take don't get me wrong. I'm gonna be very scared when he plays. But I think that's where I'm trying to be cute and go for like Man City double defense and possibly a Grealish or Foden. So yeah, man, it's it's you can't have them all, as they say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, if if we could, we'd have thirty man squads, and you could just <laughs> you could just pick whoever. We'll all have the same team, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> No, I like it. I like the Grealish call as well. He's looked really good in preseason. Does lack that finishing, I guess, end product, uh, which Agreed. is the goals. But, um, yeah, no, he's looked outstanding in the preseason as well. So I actually really like that shout. I'd say I wouldn't call it a punt because he's looked really good. I'd just call it a, um, uh, what do you say, a great eye test punt because he's looked really good. <laughs> yeah, because ultimately, you know, it's it's – and this is just me, is I think he is going to be, in essence, the first choice left winger. And I think uh, Pep is going to go with Foden on the right. Because Foden on the right, when he first broke into the Man City team, he was playing a lot off that right side, cutting in, especially during the uh, lockdown period. He was coming off that right. And I remember when he just absolutely done Robertson and then smashed it into the top corner when I think Man City won 4-0 at Liverpool you know, when they killed the league a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I think that is going to be the formation because I love Mar. If Mar has played every single game, Quentin, I'm not joking, he is Salah-level asset. Yeah, he, 100%. He's an unbelievable, unbelievable player, un- better dribbler than Salah, great finisher as well. Like He's an unbelievable player, but he is preferred in the Champions League. I think he only started 15 or 16 Premier League games last season. That's insane. But I think he started... 15 or 16 Champions League games. So I think that tells you that, you know, in the Premier League, Pep wants to press and Mahrez can't offer you press. He is uh, he is the player that you want on the ball because he's elite, but off the ball, he doesn't press as well as Grealish and, um, and Foden. So Grealish is a punt in the essence of, I don't think a lot of people will have him, but I actually think I trust Grealish will start more than Mahrez. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why I'm going with him at the moment. <laughs> no, as our good friend of the pod, D10, would say, uh, Mahrez is a Razzler from outer space and he's driving the spaceship. So. <laughs> Class. Um, well, that wraps up our pod this week. So for all our stuff, head over to FPL underscore amateur underscore Oz. Um, just started sort of the preseason thread, which will be constantly updated when I get the time to um, finish watching all the games. And then obviously halfway through our team previews as well on our website. But um, Ray, where can they find uh, your Twitter and all of your other stuff, mate? Well, first of all, Quentin, really appreciate you having me on, man. It was really nice, chilled. You know, I'm, I'm I'm just chilling here with, you know, glass of water, laptop, just, you know, feet up. So first of all, brilliant. Uh, really appreciate you having me. Um, second, you can follow me. I'm, I'm all about Twitter, really. So Ray underscore Cure. I'm part of probably way too many things, but, you know, I enjoy <laughs> FPL so much. So we recently, cheap plug, we literally this morning rebranded at the FPL way, um, which is kind of like one-stop shop for fantasy football so it's me and dan uh yep. we had that really so we've just rebranded so that's all about um threads and specifically youtube we're going to start getting back up again yeah recently become a contributor for all about fpl so i've got an article on my pinned tweet there regarding liverpool assets specifically going for the triple up there also <laughs> i'm an uh at fpl juice pundit so specifically a lot around Arsenal as well. Like with the stuff we were talking about before, I, I like to think I'm educated there. And yeah. last but not least, uh, at FPL Meets, you know, it's just been huge. Nima's done such a great job. I'm one of the founding members for that as well. So I was one of the initial guys who were uh, part of those events. So yeah, Quentin, I am involved in a lot of shit and I'm sure it will grow. <laughs> You're a very busy man. And, um, you know, our pod, mate, it's very casual. Um, we do yeah. talk a bit of FPL, but we also like to keep it a bit of a, a chilled vibe. I've got a bit of a question for you, mate. 
Are you wearing pants? Because the heat wave over in England at the moment, mate, I could just picture you sitting there with the fan blowing, just um, having your glass of water, mate. <laughs> so uh, this is probably the first morning in two weeks I haven't needed the fan on. Uh, well, it's the afternoon now, so uh, it's it's about 22 degrees out there. I am wearing boxes and a vest, so uh, <laughs> very chilled out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sun's out, gun's out, like, yeah, just... just <laughs> completely chill dude and yeah lots of water but even though it's been unbearably hot because our buildings are too thick the walls are too thick and we don't have acs you know because we never need them it's been ridiculously hot but i've loved it because it doesn't come that often bud so yeah it's 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 been hot as hell but uh i've loved it (laughs) i'm pretty sure australia's what weather we're like sweltering in uh, minus four in the mornings and um yeah just absolutely frosty over here <laughs> so yeah, yeah definitely don't envy the that hot of a weather but i do envy seeing the sun so class <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that we'll see you next week. We'll have another pod. I think it should be the final preview pod we got later in the week with Matt Day. But till then, good luck doing your drafts, and hopefully you're not at draft 150 like I am. See you next week. Mm-hmm.